Welcome to After the Bell. I'm Zach Borman. I'm here today with not only a new member, but a new executive board member. Blake Lyman, going into his third year of teaching, joined the union and also immediately applied for the open treasurer position through the WAEA. Blake, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, Blake. So this is kind of an unusual episode for After the Bell so far. And the reason that I, I really was interested to get your story is, well, let me step back for a second. Have you ever heard of the the experiment of the, the smoke-filled room? I have not. Okay. So there was this experiment done in, I don't know, probably the 70s or something like that, but uh, where they would have a test subject in a waiting room. The The subject assumes that they're supposed to be going into the next room, so that they're just waiting for their turn, right? While the subject is in the waiting room, they start pumping smoke under the door in, the, in an adjoining room. And typically, if the test subject was by themselves, they would get up immediately. They realize that there's some sort of danger. They get up and they go find whoever put them in the waiting room and the first person and warn them that something's wrong with the situation. In other scenarios, they would have a couple of actors in the room along with them. And when the actors were told not to react to the smoke coming out of the adjoining room, only about 10% of the time did anyone actually get up and do something because no one else seemed to be concerned with it. So they would just not be the one weird person that started freaking out about it. Uh, In the final scenario where three three actual people that don't have anything, any idea of what's going on are in there. Uh, But only about 30% of the time did anyone actually stand up and and warn someone about this. And this is kind of like a long-winded way of saying that we are in, I would say, a a smoky time where there's a lot of emergencies Mm -hmm. potentially happening and no one seems to be all that concerned about it and or stepping up to to do the right thing. And to me, your story kind of exemplifies seeing that smoke and doing mm-hmm. something about it. So I just wanted to kind of like get you in here to get your story and, and sort of Absolutely. figure out like why, what what got you to stand up and, and take part and dive in like this. Yeah. So why don't we start out, tell me a little bit about um, your teaching career. Yeah. So like you mentioned, I'm about to head into my third year of uh, teaching. Um, I teach at Christine Donnell School of the Arts, and um, I'm a I'm a specialist. So I teach music, um, band, orchestra, and general music. And being that specialist, I, I am a singleton. We are fortunate to be an art school, and I have multiple music staff like um, that I work alongside with. But at the end of the day, we are a group of singletons in, uh, together, and. Um, being in that position, being on the island, it was very eye-opening to like, oh, I am by myself. I am, um, I have like one or two people to rely on, but we are by ourselves. What were your first impressions of the union, if you recall? Going to be honest here. I know like going into the first couple of years, my goal was to keep my head down, fly under the radar. We're on our, um, the, I forget the exact term, but it's the, um, Introductory years where you're not quite a full-fledged residency. Um, residency, yeah. Um, where I'm not a full-fledged West Ada employee. Um, and so my goal is to get through those, learn my craft, learn how to be a good teacher, 
and you know not kind of rock the boat essentially and so by joining the union it sound it felt like uh, that'd be making noise that'd be drawing attention to myself and that would be um hindering my ability to be successful um was that just an assumption or had you heard other people sort of like talk about union membership in in such a way that it is kind of confrontational or uh, rocking the boat yeah a, bit, a bit of both where it was like uh it, it was the assumptions based off those talking where um you hear people say like yeah the union like they're just there they're they're teachers first they're they're the they're the teachers union and all that and um they're gonna take your money and, and all that all that stuff whereas if you just coast it'll be good so that was a that was a big talking point there was just a lot of Okay, let me just get through these years and then I'll think about it. So what was the what was the tipping point? Was it kind of like an all at once sort of thing or was it a, a steady drip that just came that you decided yeah. on one day kind of thing? I think it was again, I think it was in the middle. It was like that steady drip, but it wasn't a drip. It was a steady um opening of the faucet. The last we all know that the last two years have not been easy. Um getting hired was was not easy because I was a first year teacher. We were coming into it was right after the year of um, of the pandemic where we closed in March, and they were like, "Hey, you're a new teacher. We are going into the unknown. Like, you're good luck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like hiring you as a principal is not the smartest choice, which I completely understand and respect. Like, yeah, like you wanted people who knew what they were doing because." we were going into the unknown. And so like starting with that, just getting into the door and then the last few years with all the turnaround, the the changes that we've experienced, the obstacles, like it was just a steady downpour of, okay, this is, this isn't what I signed up for when I went to college. This isn't what I, I pictured it. And this is my reality. I either do something about it or figure out what's next for me. Did you have anyone in the union actually like talking to you about union membership or anything at any point? Oh, that's that's the crazy thing all the time. Like um, there's a lot of our music teachers who are involved in it and it's like a fantastic resource. Um, I, I talk about being on the island and it feels like that in my day to day. But if you take five steps back, there's a whole bunch of fantastic teachers um, ready and willing to t- talk with you. And like what I found is a lot of them were in the union. And they're a fantastic resource of being able to chat with and be like, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. How do I like what is the best choice? Like um, what is the demands of my job? What is a reasonable request of a music teacher? Because I'm sitting here going, I'm being requested to do X, Y, Z. And I, I don't know about like, is that within the realm of my job or how do I maneuver this certain situation and all that stuff? And being able to chat or talk with them was fantastic. And so um, had I had a few teachers just constantly saying, hey, like all the things you're talking about, this is what the union's for. We can we can help you maneuver it. We can help you equip you with the vocabulary to have these conversations and um, really just be helpful. So there's a few union members uh, talking with me. So that default assumption of of like self-advocacy of of teacher having a right having rights in the classroom and stuff like that is something that you didn't really know about or weren't as well versed in prior to joining yeah or like 
and I'm still learning again, like you mentioned, I'm jumping into the deep end on this. Um, I, I still don't know what the, what the right answer is to a lot of things. I don't know what the parameters are and where my self-advocacy ends. Like there's stuff going through the, uh, the school board right now about like, um, what we can put in our classrooms and what we can't like, um, talk to anybody, you know, I, I'm a huge cultural star Wars entertainment, Marvel and all that stuff. I'm worried about what decorations I have to take down because there are things in my classroom that have no educational value. And I'll be the first to admit that <laughs> like they're there to make me smile. And if a student walks in and we can connect on that, there was a student um, who I having a hard time with. And um, I like to make things in my free time, big on just creating. And I have a captain America shield that I've made from hand, got all the supplies and the student loved captain America and I was like, hey, check this out. And I go grab my shield that's hidden away in my office. And the kid's eyes just get all big. And he's like, whoa, you have you made this? And, you know, and those connections were made. But my Captain America shield has no educational value. It makes me smile. It made the children smile. But is that fair game? Do I have to take, do I have to take my Captain America shield home and tell my wife, it's here now? I'm sorry. Um you know, but so like, those are my concerns. Like, I, and I still don't know like where that line is and the union is help helping me navigate it. Like, I I don't know what my rights as a teacher and my self-advocacy can be. Right. Okay. So not only did you just like jump in, I mean, you, you, dre- you got drenched, <laughs> yeah. you know, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, so you're on the ex- you not only became a member, you joined, applied for the treasurer position on the executive board. You joined the GR Pace Committee and, mm-hmm. and have participated in a number of like interviews with legislatures, yeah. legislators and stuff like that. Um, I mean, what what drove you to not just not just join, but but to be involved in, in such a way? Yeah. So. It's, it may be just be the way I was raised or my, my personality. Like, to me, if I was involved and I was just a due-paying member and I wasn't directly influencing how things were going, it the it wouldn't make sense. Like, it, it wouldn't make – I couldn't justify it for myself. To get in and be a catalyst for change hmm. – that's how we get it done, in my opinion. Like, oh. you, I can fill out as many surveys as I want and, like, okay, here's my opinion on this. Here's what I would like to do. But then we need people to actually go and do it. Yeah. Like, um, we talked about – I just mentioned the policy that was that's going through the school board right now. And, yes, we have opinions. Yes, it is concerning. But if we don't – have people going to the board meeting and speaking up about it and giving the teacher perspective. If we don't have people filling the basic spots for this executive board to function, mm-hmm. we can't be as effective as we need to be. Right. And so why would I pay money into it if it can't function, if it can't run? So we need people, we need members involved and doing the job to make this a contributing factor to West State's success. Right. 
I used to talk with my students on it about about it on a regular basis where it's like hey you show up and you sit in the class and you passively absorb material Mm -hmm. like you're not going to get much out of this class you the the more value you get into it is by the more effort that Mm -hmm. you put into it you know like the the harder and the more genuinely you try on writing the the speeches that we're performing or or researching the debate cases that they were writing for my class you know the more that they actually came out of it you know i have a couple kids who's lives and passions were changed by doing research on various debate resolutions that we had and stuff like that and it and genuinely affected their life and then i have other kids that like copy and pasted something that they found on the internet and maybe they got a maybe they got a passing grade or maybe i didn't yep. catch the plagiarism or whatever and yeah, yeah. and they got nothing out of it and exactly. ultimately the value the value becomes all those all those people that are like what is the union doing for me it's like well i mean i hate to turn this around on you but like the you get the value by being involved in in this process itself. Absolutely. So, um, so I'd like to thank you because uh, you've already been an incredible asset to to the executive board as well as the the GR Pace um, efforts and that kind of thing. So thank you. Um, so having been recently a non-member, what what might have someone like what would you say to yourself you know like, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> what how would you talk to because lots of people have a hard time talking with non-members you, oh, you said me? yeah you said that luckily someone at least one person talked to you on a regular basis about union membership even while you weren't a member but um yeah. how would you suggest people talk to non-members or what what would you say to yourself if yeah if you could do it so um again uh maybe how i how i was raised the the product and the end result and this is what probably why i teach music like the end result creating a thing that's what gets my brain turning and so like if we if somebody came up to me and said okay we're at say 33 percent of west state employees um unions are our members are union or 33 percent of west state employees are union members if we get to 35 here's here's what we can do if we get to 50 here's what we can do if we get to 75 here's what we can do um the fact that we do the blue the blue card drive every year mm-hmm. to get to get to the 50 percent is why our negotiating is where it's at we we need the members to have to have the coalition to negotiate better like if we're coming at them saying yeah we have 30 we have 33 percent or so and we have got 20 whatever 22 per other percent um to agree to for us to negotiate on their behalf that's saying we only have 33 percent of the members we convince these other people and like it's a lot easier for the district to be dismissive of, exactly. of your requests or your exactly yeah and so like if we get to this point we have more negotiating power if we get to this point we can do these things because having a okay well Yes, I'm paying into these, but what do my dues do? Having that laid out and having obtainable goals like spelled out like, okay, here's what our plan is and here's what we can do would be for my end result brain like, oh, okay, yeah, no, easily. Because we can't get to 50 without getting to 34. We can't get to 34, 35 without getting to 34, you know? Like we need people to start getting ourselves up to that point so we can be an effective union for the coalition of teachers and then return those to their students. Cause that's what I mentioned earlier that we were a, 
uh, like it, my perception was that we were a teacher's union. And having joined and gone to strategic planning this summer, which was like where we laid out our goals for the year, it was mind opening or eye opening to um, see that all of our choices were student first. Like the whole idea of it being a teacher's union. It's a union made of teachers, but we're everything we're doing is to help benefit our students um, and help benefit our ability to serve our students. Um, the A teacher can't be effective if they're spending their summer doing a secondary job. Um, we, we need that time to we need we need that time to recuperate. Uh, go to we have in the music world we have ORF conference uh, ORF certification, so I can learn how to better teach instruments to um, students. We need that time to do things to help make us better teachers. And if I'm spending that time working at Fred Meyer's pulling groceries, I I can't, I'm not being as well off as I can for a student. The reason a teacher would go work at Fred Meyer's is because their pay isn't where. Um, to be able to support their family, to support their lifestyle. And then you were, were dramatically affecting our students by not taking advantage of the time that we have to do things yeah. to better us as teachers. If you have a daily stress of not knowing that you're not able to really cover your bills and you're not sleeping right because you have a second job after you leave and stuff like that, your teaching is, is definitely not <laughs> Absolutely. Gonna be. And so by vouching for those, we are putting the student first. We are ultimately doing what's best for the student. Yeah. It's a chicken and the egg kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. You know, like you, you need both. Or yep. They're, they're both true simultaneously. But. So seeing all the student-centered choices, seeing all the things that we are advocating for that will have direct results to help the student's education mm-hmm. was like, okay, this is worth it. Like this is this is a place I want to be and help out. Yeah. Well, and to use your your example of seeing the end results, I mean, there's that's the the macro or the the micro is is the district. The macro is we need the members because ultimately the state pays us what they want to because there's no opposition mm-hmm. and no ability to to say otherwise really at this point. So that increasing that membership also increases the likelihood of us being able to really receive a livable wage yeah. <laughs> from the state uh, from the state down because the mm-hmm. district's hands are tied to a certain extent as how much they're able to give in negotiations and that kind of thing. But um, Okay, Blake, I have one last question for you, uh, and that's a new question that I'm starting to ask all of my guests, and I just want you to tell me about a teacher that made a difference in your life. So one of the teachers that I, I had, and this was actually a, a professor in college, um, Dr. Lori Conlin Con. Um, she was a music teacher throughout uh, in, in the Boise School District, and um, then she moved on to upper edu- or higher education to work with future music teachers. And no, her defining philosophy was: we meet the students where we are. Um, we don't expect them to be in a certain place, and we will only teach them if they are at that place. And in, in upper education, that was, that was a, a trend that I noticed where it was like, oh, this, this person's a natural born percussionist. So we're going to, we're going to treat them and put them on this pedestal and we're going to teach them better than that person who's not. And meeting students where they are in their abilities and helping them 
obtain like if you uh, one of the things I I walked out of college thinking was like if you fail a student it's not that that's on you like you should teach you should teach your class in a way that all students can pass and you should meet the students and have diverse or diversify your planning um, diversify what you're doing and she was the only teacher who who at the uh, like talking with her who had that outward that was the philosophy she lived and so like yes music is not as a specialist music is not everybody's favorite class but there is something in it for everyone and you can meet it and make it a good time or make it so that way they can um they can enjoy the time that they have and at least learn the fundamentals so that way they can use it in everyday life and she was she was living embodiment of it and she was anytime you talk with her she's she's asking about me as a person she's not it wasn't me as the instrument instrumentalist it was it was me as the person who's trying to be an educator who's trying to help teach other students and she was fantastic like um wonderful absolutely wonderful um to work with and wonderful to learn from because she cared about the whole student and again having that being a being in college learning how how what type of teacher i want to be definitely shaped how i want it how i try to treat my students awesome blake we appreciate your time with us today and telling us your story and and everything so uh, thank you for all you do and look forward to continuing to work with you on the exec board. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.